It's good stuff. Good stuff. So uh, there's a lot of things that we could be doing, right? A lot of good stuff that we could be doing uh, that uh, take up our time. Uh, but what are the best things that we can be doing? I mean, those are all legitimate excuses, going to Mars and on and on it goes. But what are the things that maybe will help us to launch into our, our goals? The very things that maybe God wants to do in our lives. I'm sure we have some goals that God's not like, hey, that's not my goal for you. But you know there's a lot of stuff that are in our hearts that God actually put in our hearts that he wants to launch us towards those things. Do you realize that 90% of the goals that we make for 2015 will fail, we'll give up on them by March. We'll give up on them. And some of those very things, some of those things are actually things that God wants to do in our lives. Things that God wants to do in your lives. We learned last week, what do we need? Anybody remember what we need last week to launch? What's the number of thing a rocket needs? Power. We need, we need power. And where do we get it from? We get it from so that living. So the, so the thing was, as we said, it's not that God has a plan for you. He does. But ultimately, it's God has a plan through you to be a blessing to somebody else. What we want to talk about this morning is how do we keep the power flowing? What are those power habits that we could put in place in our lives in 2015 that actually accomplish the things that God has put in your heart? Some of the things that are up on these walls. Remember we came in last week and we had a wall over here and here and they were on the back. We also had walls downstairs. They were down in Graceland for our kids. Now, we didn't call them before I die walls for their kids because we didn't, we didn't think that would be appropriate. So we didn't do that. We just called them hopes and dreams and aspiration walls. But they wrote on the walls too, and that's why we have six of them here. We had four in here, and we had one for our youth group and one for our Graceland ministry downstairs. And I would like to begin by reading you some excerpts. Some of the things are funny. Some of the things are very serious. Here's the thing. Some of these things I'm going to read through and many of the other things that are on these boards are things that have been agonized over, prayed over, cried over, things that are deep in your heart that you really want to see happen. So I'm just going to read a couple excerpts. They're going to be on the screen behind me as I read them. So one person says, I guess it's a child. They said they want to buy a castle. That's, there's nothing wrong with that. Castles are good. Okay. Another person said they want to be in a card chase with the president <laughs> and jump the Grand Canyon. That's, that's great. I, you know, I don't know if adult wrote that or child. One person wrote that they want to win one argument with their wife. They want to, <laughs> want to win one argument. I was talking to God about that because I've been praying about all of these things that are on the way. I was like, you know, God, what about that one? Is that possible? He said, remind the people it's a before I die wall, not a before hell freezes over wall. <laughs> Somebody wants to buy, a, buy their mom a house. Somebody wants to meet their mom. Someone wants to let go of fear in 2015. Someone wants to see alcoholism end in their family. Somebody wants to know what it's like to be loved romantically. Somebody wants to see their brother and son reconciled. Somebody wants to make a difference in this world. Somebody wants to go to God first. 
Somebody wants to go on a missions trip. Somebody wants to be the husband God created them to be. Somebody wants to help someone know Jesus. And somebody wants to lead at least one person to Jesus. These are, these are all very special, and there's many more. And we want to stop here right at the beginning and ask that God would bless all of these hearts' desires. Okay? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you know what's on this board. You know what's in this room. Things that are on our hearts that maybe didn't get to go on these boards for whatever reason. Lord, we just want to place our focus here on what's been written on these boards and what you have written in our hearts. Some of them are fun things. Other of them are very serious things. And we want to acknowledge how important they are. And some of those things you have placed in our hearts, they are your will for our lives. And yet... Some of us have been longing for the fulfillment of them for quite some time. God, we offer them all as one community together. We bring them before you and we ask, Father, grant us your power and grant us the habits, the power habits that it takes from us to see these things accomplished. In Christ's name. Amen. All right, we want to talk about power habits this morning. Power habits. Scientists right here in Washington, D.C., it was an NIH-funded study. They took a group of people who had made uh, dramatic changes in their lives. They took people who had a myriad of things going on in their lives, and they studied this whole group, a group of people who maybe were in debt and were chain-smoking and couldn't keep a job long-term and who, who struggled with weight issues, and people with a whole long list of, of, of issues together. And they took this group of people, they selected them because this group of people experienced a huge change in their life, and the scientist wanted to know scientifically why. The book is called Power Habits, right? So let me just give you the brief overview of it. What they realized is, is that these people adopted what they call a keystone habit. It's very important. What, what, what in the world is a keystone habit? Here's a keystone habit. A keystone habit, everybody, is a habit that we have in our lives that when we, when we start this habit, when we start a particular keystone habit, the reason it becomes keystone is it creates a chain reaction that affects our entire life. That's what a keystone habit is. So a keystone habit is something that you might do, something that you might do that ripples through your life with power. And that's what these scientists came up with. They said, these people, we can't, we can't understand how in the world that they kicked a habit and they got out of debt. We're looking at a group of people who you know, no longer smoke. They maybe no longer drink. They keep long-term jobs. They, they're fit and in shape. How did that happen? They said it was a keystone habit. There's something along the way that they did that had a ripple effect through power of their life. Well, the Israelites, we talked about this last week, took them out of Egypt. It was incredible what God did. God said, hey, I've got, the, here's my will for your life, that you go into this wonderful land where all of your dreams are coming true, a land flowing with milk and honey. This is what you really want. Yes, we want it. God wants it. Everybody wants it. And they got right up to the edge of it, and they failed to launch. And I want to suggest to you today from the story of Israel not going into the very thing that God put in their hearts is because they did not recognize three very important keystone habits and what would happen if we put them in place in our lives. 
So here we go. The first keystone habit from this story is this. We need the right reminders. We need reminders. Somebody told me years ago, our minds are leaky. They leak stuff. And we need reminders. In parentheses to the side, you could put church services. But you could also put gatherings or assemblies or celebrations, whatever it is. When we get together and God is the focal point and the Bible is the focal point and we talk about the stories of the Bible, we talk about what God's will is for the people in the Bible in their lives and what's God's will for our lives and we're reminded of the stories or we hear stories of other people and what's happening in their lives. Some of us have actually read through the Old Testament and we've become bored to death at certain places where God says, hey, I want you to do this feast and then I want you to do this feast again and then here's this other feast I want you to do and then I want you to set up all these stones all over the place and make it a memorial. And we're like, oh, come on. That's just like way too much information. Why are you boring me to death? What do you want? There's the Feast of, feast of Passover, Feast of Pentecost. They're celebrating this every single year. Trumpets, tabernacles. Our neighbors are Jewish. They celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles. We go over to their house and they had to put this makeshift shelter in their backyard for the Feast of Tabernacles. What was it? To, why? And they were told to do it every year. It was a reminder it was a reminder of, hey, remember when you lived in the desert and how I brought you out of the desert? Remember how you brought you out of slavery into the desert because you were hurting and in pain? Here's the thing with the Israelites. They got up to the edge of God's goal for their life, and they didn't go in because they forgot. They forgot. How could they forget? They forgot because our minds are leaky. They're like, we, right here on the edge, we want to go back to Egypt. You hate Egypt. Why do you? We want to go back. Why would they want to go back? Because they forgot. They forgot. They forgot God's plan for their life. They forgot God's power, God's promise. They forgot their own story. How many of us forget our own story? I do. I forget my own story all the time. And so we gather together in these type of situations where God says, don't forsake the assembling together. Why do you think God says that? So you can feel guilty about not coming to church? God's not interested in that. God's not interested in making people feel guilty. What God is interested in is the best for people, the best. And so he says, come together, celebrate, Make church a habit, right? I know that you got to grow your hair out and cut it again, right? you got to do that kind of stuff and have your fish take it to the shrink. We're all good stuff. There's all wonderful things that we have to do. This city is filled with things. I know, I know when people move into the city and they've come from another place, like, oh, my gosh, there's so much to do here. There is. There is. But are all those things that we have to do power habits? There's always somewhere else that you can be on Sunday morning. But is it a, is it a power habit? And the reason that we gather together is not to feel guilty. It has nothing to do with this. Because God wants us to remember because our minds are leaky. I'll never forget my first class in seminary. Now, I won't forget it for a number of reasons, but I'm only going to tell you about one. Okay? One reason. It's because uh, our professor told us, that, hey, look, they were talking about people and passing away because pastors in the role that we're in, we're in hospital rooms with people passing away, we're in homes where people passed away. Um, we were part of funerals and the planning of funerals. And the professor says, look, listen, somebody passes away. What you've got to do is you've got to get the family. You've got to get the friends to begin to start telling the stories because the stories are powerful. Notice this. The stories are powerful reminders and it brings that person and their memory back to life. And it causes tremendous healing when the stories are told. So I remember that, and years later, when I am on staff, not too far from here, at a church called Arlington Temple United Methodist Church in Roslyn. Maybe some of you have seen it. Maybe you don't know the name. 
but the church is above a gas station. Yes, I don't know what kind of gas station it is today. It's changed. But literally, it is a beautiful church building, and it just happens to have in the basement a gas station. It used to be an Exxon station, and it was famous around here. Everybody knew it as St. Exxon's. Nobody knew the name of the church, but they knew about St. Exxon's. And I was there for six years. And one of the main reasons I was there is because one day I had met the pastor's wife. They had been on staff. Pastor Jack had been on staff with Mickey, his wife, Mickey Sawyer, for almost 30 years. She was a wonderful person, vibrant, full of energy, the quickest wit of anybody I've ever met in my life. She had been a flight attendant on Eastern Airlines. Anybody old enough to remember Eastern Airlines. We got a few people remember Eastern Airlines. They went out of business many years ago. I was just a kid, but I remember that. But uh, she had been a flight attendant there. She had awesome people skills and just so full of energy and life. Some of you know Big Russ back here. We call him, you like, why do we call him Big Russ? He's this tall, right? Why? He was 12 pounds when he was born. That's why we call him Big Russ. And some, some of you know that he does this little shtick out on the sidewalk where he like flirts with everybody, right? Is anybody... Familiar with that stick they did? Well, he didn't start that last week, okay? He's been doing that for like 30 years. And he always has something to say to somebody. He's always got something. Always has a quick, he's got a pretty quick wit himself. I mean, he's like 120 now, but he has a very quick wit, right? He's my father-in-law, okay? I can say these things about him. So he's doing that stick down at Arlington Temple because he's the head usher there. And one day Mickey walks in and she matches him wit for wit, right? And he's doing his little flirt thing with her. And she comes up and kisses him right on the lips. Pow! I've never seen the man speechless. He just stands there. Didn't know what to say. Very, very, very quick wit. Well, it was, uh, it was Easter. It was an Easter Sunday. Happened a number of years back, and, you know, again, they've been there so many years, and it's such an integral part, and she would never miss an Easter service, and she missed. And, of course, I was like, whoa, where's Mickey? Where, what's going on? Where is she? And uh, Pastor Jack said, well, she just, she's sick. Well, she must have been really sick because she didn't show up on Easter Sunday. What we found out is after all those years of being on that airline and all that recycled smoke and on and on and on it goes, uh, she had lung cancer. She was diagnosed with lung cancer, and the prognosis was not good. We had prayer meetings. Oh, my gosh, we had prayer meetings. That little church packed out on Saturday nights. The whole church, like 100% of the church would show up on a busy Saturday night. People from the community would come in and pack that place out. We had prayer meetings at the chapel at Fairfax Hospital, packed out. Like, we packed it. Nobody, people were standing in the hallways. That's how packed it was. And I remember going through that, and things were getting worse and worse, and thinking to myself, oh, my gosh, if Mickey passes, it's going to devastate. I don't know that we can even have church anymore. It is so devastating what is happening here. Ten months into it, she passed away. And we are just reeling from this. And we're thinking, oh, my goodness, how are we going to plan this service? And here I am, a very young minister, and the senior pastor, Jack, is her husband. And he's in no shape to plan anything. And so here I am, just a young kid, thinking, what are we going to do? And I remembered. I remembered that class. And they said, tell the stories. And I thought, oh, my gosh. 
Is that okay to do? Like she was a really, she was a live, fun wire. You follow me? There was a lot of stories that we could tell about Mickey Sawyer, and so we did. I tell you what, we told story after story after story after story, and it was such a powerful service. People felt hope. People felt alive. People felt refreshed and renewed because we were reminded of her life in an incredible way. We need to remember, and that's why we gather here to remember that God has a plan for your life, but not just for your life, through your life. You hear about what God's done in the Bible. You hear what God's done with those sitting around you, which we're going to do in just a few moments. You are reminded. Can I just tell you one story that we told about Mickey and this uh, service? So she's a flight attendant on uh, Eastern Airlines. And uh, one evening, a gentleman gets on the plane. He had already done a little bit of drinking. Okay, you follow me? He already done a little bit of drinking. And he was kind of loud and was already making a scene. He was, I think he was sitting up in the first class. At least he was up towards the front of the plane. And what they discovered in all of this is that he had brought his dog on the plane. He had his dog. He had his dog. He like had the dog stuffed in his coat or something or in a bag, but he was hiding a dog and it, you, know, you weren't allowed to do that. It was against the right. You can't, you could not do that. And so they approached him gently, sir, you know, <laughs> the dog, you can't do it. And he just immediately got belligerent, you know, and he's yelling and screaming. The whole plane's in an uproar. The captain comes out of the cockpit. What's happening back here? All the flight attendants. Well, after a long deal, they finally got him to leave the plane. And he's yelling and screaming and cussing and on and on it goes. And so it was a plane where, you know, it didn't pull up to the gate. It had the stairs. Remember, anybody remember the stairs that you, you go down the stairs and it had the big platform at the top? So the captain and the co-pilot and all the flight attendants, like four or five of them. So there's like six of them on top. You know, he's walking down. They're all standing there watching. It's dead silence. And on the plane, look at the plane. Every window, you've got a passenger. His face is, whoa, what's going to happen? What is going to happen next? This is so exciting. The guy gets to the bottom, and he whips around real quick, and he looks back up at them. He says, you guys can take this plane and shove it right up. You know, so, so that's what he said. You understand what he said, right? When he said that, Mickey is such a quick wit. She was standing in the back of the group. She just busted forward. She said, sir, if you'll do that with your dog, we'll let you back on the plane. <laughs> That's the kind of person she was. And we just told story after story, and it brought it to life. Listen, everybody, power habit number one is actually gathering in assemblies, just like this, like a church service, where we are reminded that God had a plan for people's lives, and God has a plan for your life, and it's powerful. And person after person has told me that they'll just sit in this service and have an encounter with God. I've had some people tell me, you know what? I first started coming to Grace, and for the first three months, all I did was cry. Now, I don't always know how to take that because of... <laughs> I mean, is, that, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Whatever. But powerful. Is it Power habit number one is we need reminders, and I'm asking you to make it a habit, a power habit of you, of yours, to be at as many services as you possibly can be. Okay. Power habit Number two, what do we need? We need the right relationships. We have something around here called community groups. We're signing up community groups today. Here's the thing, everybody. Twelve soldiers went into God's goal for their life. Twelve soldiers go in there, right, to do some recon work. All twelve come back. Two of them spread a good report. Ten of them spread a bad report. Here's my question to you. What is being spread in your life? Have you cultivated right relationships so that, so that good stuff is being spread in your life? Or, or, or are you in relationships and groups of people now that just bad stuff is being spread? Because 
If you don't have good stuff being spread, you don't have the kind of God stuff being spread, you're missing out on a power habit that's really important. It's not a mistake here that we're told in the Scriptures that where two or three are gathered in His name, in His name, that God is there. We have encounters with God. When we gather with people, what does it mean to be in His name? It means that you're with a group of people who want God's will in their life and in your life. Are you with a group of people who wants, wants God's will for their life? Are you with a group of people who wants God's will in your life? Let me tell you something about my group. I'm with a group of guys. I don't know, it's 10, 11, 12 of us, right? We meet every Wednesday night. We have a, good, we have a great time. Here's what we do. We always eat. We have one guy that's the pizza man. He's sitting right over here, the pizza man. He always brings pizza from the Italian store, all right? So we got the pizza. We always discuss life. We always discuss what's going on, ups, downs, good, bad, ugly, whatever. We always discuss life. We always discuss the Bible. We always discuss the stories of the Bible that tell us God has a plan for our lives. Nobody is here by accident this morning. Every single one of you need to know this. We've been praying about this for months leading up to this service. God has a plan for your life. And God wanted you here today to remind you that God has a plan for your life. And the final thing we do in my group is we always pray. We always pray. We're just raw and real, real with our prayers. When we're with a group of people who want God's will in their life, they're reminded of it, they want God's will for your life, it's a power habit. It spreads through your life. We talk about things up, down, whatever, whatever it might be. We share that. Let me tell you one story. I do that. I want to... Uh, I think the people in the first service could not see this. I think their eyes weren't as good as your eyes are going to be. Anybody know what these are? I'll turn around the back. I'm going to share a couple with you. Can I share a couple with you? Bad catch. Bad catch. Let's see if he can catch better. Okay. Very good. 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 How about a girl? Can a girl cut? Oh, my gosh. Woo! That's awesome. Just a gift for you. None of the guys can catch. All the girls are catching like it's nobody's business. Post this note. Just, just, just want to say, only one girl last week actually hit dead center of the bullseye. <laughs> Take it easy. <laughs> wasn't, that, wasn't that hard. Okay. Uh, now, wait a minute. I'm, lo- I'm losing control of the house. <laughs> wait, so, oh, post-it notes. Do you know 50 billion post-it notes are made every year? Do you know where post-it notes were created, how it happened? Do you know that a chemist from 3M was tasked with the job of creating a powerful adhesive? And you know what he created? A very weak adhesive. And that's embarrassing. That's embarrassing. And like, he didn't like, he didn't like, here's your goal. And he like hit here. He like went to the opposite end of the extreme. He had a very weak adhesive. And he had a decision to make. Should I share my ups and downs with my 3M family? Should I tell everybody the disaster that I have made? And that's what is before you when you go to a community group. Should I share my ups? Should I share my downs? Well, you know what? Great stuff happens. We're told in our weakness, he is strong. We share our ups and we share our downs. And so this guy said to my 3M family, I am going to share. His name was Spencer. Silver, what a name, Spencer Silver. Say that a bunch of times, quick. Spencer Silver, so he shared with everybody, I made this adhesive and it's very weak, but could anybody possibly use it? He did it over and over and over and over again for years. And then one day, a guy by the name, who's a colleague of his, named Art Fry, is at choir practice for his church of all things. And he's got in his book, all these bookmarkers, and all the bookmarkers keep falling out. And he says, oh my gosh, Spencer's adhesive, that's what we need. He went back, talked to Spencer, and they created Post-it notes. Now 50 billion of them are used. What might happen if you go to a community group and you share your life, your ups and your downs, and people pray for you who want God's will in your life? Could something powerful happen from that? You're going to hear in a moment that something powerful can happen from that, and this happened for many of us in our lives. Last point, the right role. 
serving God. God has called all of us to be servants. God is very clear about that. Israel, hey, it's my, my goal for you to go into this promised land. This is my goal. It's a great place. And it's my will. You know what the deal is? God wants to bless us. A lot of us have this view of God that God just wants to hurt us. He wants to make us feel guilty. He wants to make our lives miserable. That if we were ever to say, hey, God, I'm turning my life over to you, we're so afraid of doing that because they think, oh, my gosh, God is just going to nail me. He's going to make my life miserable if I just say, you know, I want to give my whole life to you. We're so afraid of that. But in actuality, God wanted great things for Israel. But they forgot that they were servants. They were called to sow that living. Abraham and Sarah are called servants. Isaac and Rebekah are called servants. Mary and Joseph are servants. Everybody who's a follower of Jesus is called a servant. We have to realize God doesn't have a plan for you. He's got a plan through you. We are called to serve. Where are you serving God? Are you serving God somewhere? If you're not serving God somewhere, you're missing out on a power habit. My question is this. Are you in the habit of church services? Are you in the habit of being in a group of people that you've cultivated, that all want God's will for their lives and for your life? And are you signed up anywhere to serve God? I have listened to countless people here at Grace who say, you know what, I signed up to help other people and to serve God to do that. And you know what I think? Maybe I've helped some people, but I tell you what, I have helped myself. I have encountered God as I have served. Wonderful stories from people who have done this in their life. Three power Habits. Now, I want you to help me welcome uh, three guys here on stage who are going to tell you their story. So Mike and Tony and Bill, if you guys will just come right on up, and uh, they're going to share about some powerful things that have happened in their lives in a Sunday service and a community group, and then eventually we're going to have a story from, uh, from serving. So could you give a warm uh, round of applause? Okay, this is my good buddy Mike uh, here. And so, Mike, something happened right here in these seats in a Sunday service. You had an encounter with God. Why don't you just tell us real briefly about that, buddy? Sure. So last summer, uh, my beautiful wife and I were approaching our one-year anniversary, and we were struggling with effective communication habits, the ones needed to kind of manage the growing pains of a relationship. Mike did not write that thing on the board. I just want to... I swear it wasn't me. Yes. Um, Me either. So, after, <laughs> so three months we hadn't been to church, and all of a sudden, like out of nowhere, uh, Kara, my wife, says, you know, let's go to church tomorrow. Um, John hadn't been there in around the same, roughly the same time. You were on sabbatical. Show up the next morning. John's back, his first service back in three months. And the service, the message of the service was newlyweds and how to communicate like after like a year of marriage, literally the most relevant thing. Like you could not have asked for a more relevant message and more relevant service for where we were at the time. And I remember after the service, we're out in the hallway and I, I told John, I'm like, John, this is absolutely like, you know, you have no idea what this is already done for us. We were so excited today. And, uh, you know, John looks at me and goes, God's plan. And I'm grabbing a coffee with my wife, but three minutes later, and I'm like, babe, tell me, that you and Chris said, like Chris didn't mention to you about what today's message was, that you didn't plan this. And not that like wives, like, yeah, not that wives don't conspire. They would never, they would never conspire. To, and it continues. I'm sorry. So, you know, Kara goes, win one argument. Kara, Kara just looks at me and goes like, nope, God's plan. Yeah. And my big takeaway from that morning wasn't John's amazing message. And, you know, as usual, John hit it out of the park. It's good. It's but good. 
my takeaway was... <laughs> um, my takeaway was... My wife has all the money. Go ahead. <laughs> Sorry. Um, that there's something bigger than us that, uh, you know, that's along uh, with us for the journey. And uh, it all kind of clicked that day. And it was a really big day for me. And I appreciate you, buddy. Uh, so, so, so did you hear that? It was a big day. Something ha- he did- Mike didn't know that. He just walked in randomly like you did. We're not here by accident. You never know. You never know. And it has a huge effect. Thank you, Mike, very much. Very much. It's awesome. So, so, so now we have Tony and, and Bill, and they're going to talk to us about something that happened in their community group. I, they got, Tony sent me an email on this, and I thought, well, this is fabulous. So please, take it away. So uh, here's the drill. Uh, small groups work. Uh, the Bible tells us that uh, we should come together. Believers should hang out together. And the Bible also tells us that iron sharpens iron. That's a message for men. Iron's not going to sharpen itself. Mm-hmm. So about uh, a year ago, God had uh, a plan for me and a way to reveal himself in my life. I discovered that I had cancer, throat cancer. I had a tumor in my throat that was so large it was popping through my neck. And um, as, you, as you might imagine, that really turned uh, my world upside down. Mm-hmm. I thought about not mentioning it to my men's group because men in this society are taught to suffer in silence. So all the women out there are thinking, that is absolutely crazy. But I assure you, all the men are thinking, I'd do that. I'd do that. Because Rambo gets shot, and he doesn't cry. He just gets up and keeps running. God had a different plan for me. I told my men's group, I showed them where I was weak. They popped right up. They laid hands on me. They prayed for me. And uh, a word about prayer, I was healed, and here I am today. Stage four cancer is... Stage four cancer is not, a, is, not, is not the end. So with that said, God showed me that he had a bigger plan in mind, and he used my openness, my willing to be transparent in front of a group of guys who weren't going to judge me. They weren't going to criticize me. They weren't going to laugh at me. What they were going to do is become a band of brothers and stand up with me. And Bill had a similar experience. Good morning. Uh, my name's Bill. I had a, uh, a reputation, I guess, of being a holiday Christian. Prior to finding grace, I went maybe two, three years, or two or three times a year to church. Um, so I was, I was going through some issues, and I, I wanted to reach out and build my faith. I emailed John that I'm looking for a men's group. Which one should I go to? And of course, he says, they're all great, so just pick one. Um, so I ended up going to Tuesday Night G-Men. Uh, I'd never been to a group like this. Men don't join groups. This isn't something that's easy for us. Uh, I was, so I was nervous, did not know what to expect. I sat down. I said zero words for the first hour and a half except for, hi, I'm Bill. Um, at the end, Tony put me on the spot. You know, tell us about yourself. Why are you here? And that's when I shared that I'm here because two days from now, I'm actually going to have a tumor the size of a golf ball removed from my neck. Um, 
I had no idea that I sat right next to Tony, who had gone through the same thing one year earlier. So it was not by chance. God had a plan for me. Um, the group gathered around me, put their hands on my shoulders, prayed for me, sent me emails, texts. They helped me uh, find God and, and find peace going into the, the operating room. Um, and, and they've been a blessing to me ever since. So I strongly recommend uh, finding a group. So. I distinctly remember the email that Tony sent me about this situation that happened. I remember talking to Bill afterwards. I remember both of them saying, well, only God could have put the two of them together. Uh, Bill, a Christ Easter, this is what we call them in the business, Christ Easter, Christmas Easter folk, right? So, so we had a packed house here on Christmas Eve. I didn't know 75% of the people in the house. It was incredible. So a lot of people... So. Just randomly signs up for a group, sits down of all people to sit down next to Tony. And what it did for both of them. I just want to say here briefly, God is answering prayer, as Tony said, in our groups. God's answering prayer right over here on this wall on a very regular basis. Be prayed for. My goodness. These people on this wall pray every week to pray for you. That's what they do all week long. God, whatever's going to come to us. It's a powerful thing. All right, now I want to tell you one other story. They're going to hang here for a second. I'll tell you one other story. Um, a couple weeks ago, Somebody was walking out. Her name was Elizabeth, handing me this envelope. I said, what is this envelope? It's from the National Guard. I mean, she recruit, wants me to sign up. She wants me to leave the church. I, di I didn't know what it was. And so I, I opened up the envelope, and it took me a while to figure out what was going on. There's a bunch of smaller envelopes inside of it with cash. It's exciting. Uh, <laughs> cash. And, and, and then some checks made out to the church. And then, then I read this, and we're going to put the picture up on the screen, but it's the same picture that, that I have here. Her name is Elizabeth. Elizabeth is a counselor at a group home and comes every single week and brings the residents of her group home uh, here. And she had written on this, the selfish giant. We just put that up there and then put the scripture verse that she, she had there from Psalm 23. And let me tell you the story that she wrote for me. You might remember, remember we did the meals and we told people, hey, we want to start a child survivor program in Guatemala to rescue kids, to prevent children from uh, physical and sexual abuse is what we want to do. Help us do that. Eat them. We're giving you the meal. So you don't have to pay for a meal. Put the money in the box. We needed to raise money to do this to make a difference, to make a difference in a child's life who's in a very vulnerable place. Remember, we, we did that. So Elizabeth said that when she left, she tried to pick up a whole box. We have a bunch of them back there today. Some of you might be inspired by this story. You might do the same thing. She couldn't pick up the whole box. She wrote in here, she said, it, it was too heavy. She needed the whole box. So what she did is she got the eight meals. She's holding eight meals right there. And she said as she was going through at the end of the service to pick them up, that she felt like everybody was looking at her and said, what in the world is she doing taking all these meals? She's grabbing them together. And she said on this, she said, that's why she calls herself the selfish giant. She said she felt like everybody's looking at her and saying, you're a selfish giant. But here's her idea. She was going to take them. If she could take in the box, she was going to give them out to all of her neighbors at her apartment complex up, up in uh, Maryland. But she, she only take the eight. So what she did is it was Christmas time, right? It's Christmas time. And so she gave them to all of her close family and friends. And she said to them, said, you know, eat that meal. And if you're so moved, put the money in the envelope. And we're going to make a difference in kids' lives. And now here's where it gets really cool. Because she's serving. Because she's serving. She said, you know, Pastor John, you know what everybody said back to me? We were trying to make a difference in a child's life. And by doing this, we encountered God, and God's made a difference in our life. We were trying to bring hope to a child's life, and you know what? We feel the most hopeful just being used by God to serve. It's a powerful thing. 
Power habit number three is, are you serving God somewhere? Can you please help me to welcome the selfish giant out onto the stage? Elizabeth. There she is. Okay. Elizabeth, what is the one thing that you want to remind people of this morning? Good morning, everybody. Good morning. <laughs> the one thing I would like to remind everybody is that nothing should stop you from being a disciple and to win more souls to Christ. Because when I look at my favorite verse in the Bible, Psalms 23, verse 3, it says, He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So when God asks you to lead, to do something, do not lead. You let him lead because he leads. All you need to do is just to follow. Mm -hmm. So when I find joy in giving, I always want to make other people give. Because there are some people out there, maybe when we put all these things, we are sending it to the people that need help. We think we are only giving hope to them. But it also gives hope for those who give. Mm -hmm. So there are people out there who want to give, but they don't know how to go about it. Yeah. So the Bible tells us that we are all disciples, so we should win more disciples for Christ. Because those people out there, if you reach out to them, you'll find out the kind of joy that they have when they have to give. Mm. So I always say that, uh, I always pray so that God can use me anywhere, anytime. Mm. So I come here as a guest. But God is using me in grace, and I thank God for his grace. Wonderful. Thank you very much. And you're so much better looking than the rest of these guys, too. I just want to say that as well. Okay, uh, before they leave the stage, they're going to help me uh, real quick with, uh, with the demonstration. So we said this last week, you don't need more information, right? You, we are drowning, as Time Magazine said, in puddles, face down in puddles of information. We are on information overload. You don't need more information to change your life. What you need is a demonstration. And so that's what we're going to do here. So can you help me with the demonstration this morning? You all know the drill. We want to keep this in the air. Do you think you can do this? Do you think you can keep it up in the air? Let's see what happens. Let's give it a shot. Very important. Yes. Oh, 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 it's down. No, no, no. Once it hits down, it's down. Okay. It's down. We're going to try it again. See what we do it. No, it's down. No, it's down. It's... No, no. Once it hits down, I will go with the rules again. Once it hits a chair, the floor, the stage, once it hits, it's done. It's okay. I'm going to give you another shot at it because you guys are awesome. Ready? Here we go. Let's try this over here. See how these guys do? No one be afraid of the bouncing ball. That's it. That's it. Wonderful. Wonderful. You guys are doing awesome. Guys, don't do too awesome. Oh, 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 oh. Whatever. Nobody's made it to the top section yet. Nobody's made it to the top section. Uh-huh. Okay. 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 All right, you guys are doing good. You're doing good. You're doing good. Uh-huh. Oh, man. Come on, please. Let that thing go down. Lord, make that thing go down. We might not. Whoa! She down. She down. One last time. Can we make it to the top section up there? Please. Come on. Uh-huh. 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 Oh, don't hurt yourself. Don't hurt yourself. Okay, you guys are doing great. Where is it? Okay. I'm going to try to make a point, so somebody let that... Oh, shit. <laughs> okay, it's down. It's down. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Okay. Why? 
<laughs> Why in the world would we do this? Why would we do this? You know, it's fun and it's exciting when the beach ball is up in the air because we are providing the power to keep it up in the air. It's a very exciting time. Now, why did it hit the ground? Just a, very simple. It's not a trick question. Very simple. Why did it finally hit the ground? Even though some of you are trying very hard not to let it hit the ground. Even though I gave instructions to some people not to do that, you still did it. Okay, why did it hit the ground? Nobody was there. Did you hear that? Nobody was there. Nobody's there. Just think about this second, everybody. Power habit. What if Mike wasn't here? What if Mike wasn't here? What if he wasn't here? What if Tony said, you know what? I'm not leading that group. I'm not going to share. I'm going to stop going to group. What if, what if Bill said, you know what? I only go to church two times a year. Ain't no way I'm signing up for a group in addition to that. What if he said he's not going to do that? What if he didn't share? What if Elizabeth said, there's no way I'm serving. I'm a busy person. I'm a Washingtonian, right? I am not serving. What power would have gone out if they didn't apply those habits in their life? These are keystone power habits that we all need in our life. And I want to encourage you with everything in me to remember these keystone habits because they will ripple through your life with power and create a chain reaction for God. These are God's three, three keystone habits. All right, we're going to stand and we're going to sing you right out of the building. As you stand up, I want to remind you, prayer team is over there. If you're a guest today, right over here. Who's over there? There's Derek. You can still see him. He's got his hands way up there waving. If you are a guest, we do something right there called Grace in Five. Tell you everything there's know about the church in five minutes or less. Will you pray with me before we, uh, before we sing? Heavenly Father, just ask your blessing upon every single person and the goals that are up on these walls and the ones that you've written on our hearts. Bless us today to accomplish what you want us to accomplish. In Christ's name, amen. Let's sing. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Grace Community Church, a church for people who don't go to church, meets on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. in Arlington, Virginia. Connect with us anytime at trygrace.org.